Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Yes, master. Welcome everyone to the Awards Radar podcast. Uh, th- thank you, Igor. Uh, we uh, He's our new intern, Igor. Uh, before we introduce everyone else, Igor, how do you how do you like working for us? How does it compare to your last job? At my last job, I reanimated human flesh. So, so kind of the same, I guess. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get back to you later. Igor. You you go you go sit down. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, coffee, please. Uh oh. Yes. Notice how he doesn't say master to you. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> Hierarchy. It's good to be the king. Um, I guess we'll, we'll 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 mix up the order for a second. Steve, you're back. You woke up. I am. I'm awake. It's been two weeks, and I'm back. You might say Listen, I, 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 we, uh, from the I'm the undead. Well, on the podcast last week, we joked that you that you died, that we killed you, and then we didn't hear from you for a couple hours. For for a hot second, we were mildly concerned that we had unintentionally made ourselves suspects. Yeah, I, I don't die often, but when I do, I notify people. Good to know. Uh, Miles, you are here. I am here. It sounds like Steve is taking the Loki approach to mortality. This is true. Um, before, so it's our it's our Halloween spooktacular, capping off our month. Of this whole month about, has been our spooktacular. I was about to say, it's our, it's our month of horror movie chalk where we, in this episode, talk about horror maybe a little more than we did, but it's still the same thing. Um, here, you know what makes it different? Everyone has to do a spooky voice. Um, Igor already did his. Miles, you got one? Oh, um. Spooky voice I'm putting on. Oh, son of a bitch. Bane. Sounds like Bane is getting. Sounds like <laughs> I, Bane I, is getting brain. Like it's. <laughs> it's a, like Bane is I can't really talk right now. I'm kind yeah. of in the middle of something. Mm. You'll just have to imagine the orgasm. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Steve, you got one? I'm going to try my best. It's uh, ever hear of a giant named Andre Holgren? Yes. <laughs> no, forget it. That didn't work. Uh, I was going to do the Igor as well. Oh, I like how neither of us went spooky for our voices. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just, spooky. Just a a large giant. people. You went large people. Yeah. Even though, I guess Bane's small. Um, is he? Oh, he was. Well, Tom Hardy well, Bane Tom is Hardy small. Tom Hardy small. I mean, you were clearly doing the Tom Hardy. Well, an argument yeah. could be made that I was doing the Harley Quinn version. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Listen to me, Hogan. Uh, I am the champion. I think we need to bring them back periodically <laughs> just to chime in on things. Andre the Giant yeah. is one of our correspondents now. Um, my joke was actually going to be I was going to do Art the Clown, which is just to make no noise. But it's basically a joke for three of us. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> as much as we've been talking about it. Terrifier, I think that's still pretty niche. <laughs> We we really like did a, a hard right turn into into art the clown territory recently, but spoiler alert, we're doing it again this week, so we're really gonna get you to see this movie. I guess I should do for my voice. I should do Jigsaw, right? I can do that one. You've done it, but sure. Yeah, let's see. Hello, readers. I want to play a game. There we go. At least I went a little spooky. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I was um, originally gonna do Frankenstein, but then you did Igor. Yeah. I felt like that would be derivative. I was going I mean, to do Igor, did. and I'm like, oh crap! Incredible. <laughs> I mean, I essentially did Peter Lorre, just yeah. as an Igor. Listen, if we can get Peter Lorre on the podcast. Never mind, he's well, dead forty years, but you know. 
Well, Peter Laurie as played by Robin Williams. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you brought me back, you uh, can bring back Peter Laurie. This is true. We have the technology. Uh, so for the Halloween spooktacular, which I'm insisting that this is what this is, as opposed to our other non-spooktacular spooky episodes, we're going to actually catch up on some of the horror things that we meant to discuss. We'll be doing our uh, horror movie uh, draft for our original horror concepts. And we will be having a horrific debate about something not uh, horror-related later on. But first, Steve, you can now join in on the conversations that we have had about um, the last VHS movie, about um, Halloween Ends, and about Terrifier. Let's uh, let's kick off with Terrifier, since we just kind of mentioned it recently. I uh, took you to uh, meet Doctor Who. Yes. Yesterday? Monday? Yeah. I, I, time has lost all meaning. Yesterday, but yeah. Did that. Well, the thing is, yes. when you can travel and... time and space... It... Time does not have any meaning. And, uh... Exactly. Really, the finally got to utilize the TARDIS, I guess. So um, I asked you to to catch up on a, on a few things instead of doing a like full-on centerpiece review like we were doing the last couple weeks. So mm-hmm. we, uh, I mentioned a few things, and we settled on, on Terrifier as one of them. Just because I, I don't know how you feel about like uber gore. So I was curious how your response would be. Like, Miles and I don't bat an eye at these movies. Did, did you hide under the bed? <laughs> I, I, I would say I batted an eye. Um, Several eyes. Yeah. I, when it comes to... The, I, I used to have a much higher tolerance to anything horror. And like, I, it did, nothing bothered me. Um, Uh-oh. We got one. We got one, Miles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, there's definitely one kill in this. And I'm like... Not only did it happen, is it the up, is it the upside down one? It's the upside down one. Yeah, and it happens for yeah. a long time. I'm like, oh my! Can you? It should just be like a chainsaw, like you know, and it's over, and then you see the aftermath, and no, you're like, no, 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 rusty, rusty, rusty saw. Yeah, yeah, that was. They listen, leave. They leave nothing to the imagination. Yeah, exactly. Art is a, is art values his work and takes pride in it. And, but overall, when it, it comes to the film, um, you know. It's it is what it is. It's definitely just a strung together with a little bit of you know kind of opening and closing uh I guess mythology. Um yeah, well, but the re- the everything in the middle is a lot of just like okay, how do we <laughs> how do we uh kill people off, gross people out and you know just be just be upsetting without really saying anything and which was fine which is actually perfect for the mood i was in when i watched it it's just um yeah it's it gets it gets dark and i was like there's i had some characters i I liked uh i I put her name down uh jenna cannell who i thought was actually quite good in it and i'm like okay i wanted to follow i wanted to be invested in more of the characters and they didn't give you much time uh spoiler alert to be invested with most of the characters. So, but it was, it was fun. Uh, I mean, in a grotesque way, but, uh, sure. Am I excited? And you know, the thing is, would I hunt down terrifier two? No, if it was on shutter or something and I'm like, you know, the right mood, maybe, but based on what I've heard, uh, probably not because I think the, the kill that I was discussing or mentioning here, was probably light compared to what you'd see in the in the sequel, right? Like, where does that rank? Uh, like in the high end, middle? It's, it's um, still 
it's on the higher. high end. There's there's a big kill in the second one that's definitely memorable, okay. but I don't know if it's quite as viscerally unpleasant as the one in the first one. Yeah, yeah there's more money in the second one, so it's a little sillier. This didn't go into that territory that it never felt too real. That was the one that felt yeah. real because you had one character watching while the other one was suffering. So it was Which is also not usually his vibe throughout the two movies. That was a kind of a one off of like, here, watch me do this. Yeah. Well that's the thing. And so that one really it really hit because of, of that. And like, oh my gosh, imagining sitting there across and seeing your friend. That's that's what for me, that's what affects me in a horror film is yeah. putting yourself in those well, shoes. The you know It's you, funny you it's funny you, you mentioned that. Because that's that is a, a topic I want to get into. So wrap up on Terrifier because yeah, I want to talk about like what actually gets us on on that. Okay, so here we go. So you watch Terrifier. We'll come back to VHS and uh, Halloween in a moment. I want to know from each of you seminal horror movie moments or um, scary movie moments, scary video games. Like what what gets you? Like do you remember one of the first times you were really scared? by a movie and and the context because I, I have a very unique story I can tell but I'm, I'm curious so Miles since Steve talked about Terrifier you you have a lot of horror in you when was when did this when did this start what was the first time something you know uh, fucked you real good with horror so it's interesting looking back because I was a total wimp growing up yes and and um I liked things that had horror aesthetics like you know Nightmare Before Christmas was one of my favorite movies. I had every Goosebumps book, that kind of thing. But um, in terms of proper horror, my first exposure was probably when I was left unintended. Um, I think we were vacationing somewhere and I was just like on my own. I was maybe like seven or eight or something like that. And Child's Play 2 was on the TV. And I lingered on it because I saw, oh, you know, Talking Doll. Maybe it's like, you know, fun kids movie or something. It is not that. No. <laughs> um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had that experience with Chucky specifically. Um, and it was one of those things where it didn't take long for me to realize what it was. And I was kind of horrified, but I also couldn't look away. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, like I l- like I felt like I'd gotten away with something like I wasn't supposed to. And then Child's Play 3 started playing immediately. And I was like, oh, no, I've had my fill. Um, <laughs> and then a few years later, I tried to watch The Ring with my family, the uh, the American one. Yeah. And I got like five minutes in and I couldn't handle it. It's it's the contorted face in the closet that got me. Uh, and there was something about that visual that was because I was probably like 10 or 11 at the time that I could just could not handle. Um, so I went upstairs and played with Legos while everyone else watched the movie. Um, and what's funny is years later, I went back to the ring and I thought it was amazing. But I did because I still had that sort of residual fear from when I was a child. I was watching a lot of it like through my fingers because I was waiting for those visuals that sort of freaked me out. Right up until the end of the movie, I'm like still like, oh, waiting for that one last thing, waiting for that last shoe to drop. And then the credits just start. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, that wasn't so bad. Fair and um, but by that point, I'd already hit my gateway horror movies. Um, I often credit Freddy versus Jason as being the one to get me into slashers, which in some ways are effective gateway where they're kind of that transitional period from, you know, your gremlins or your nightmare before Christmas or your more sort of very basic horror, but yeah, 
the slasher stuff, especially that old school stuff, kind of works as a middle ground between there and then some of the more intense stuff. Yeah. Um, I wonder for how many people Ghostbusters is like a soft introduction into horror. Very soft, but yeah, there there are spooky elements in it for sure. There's just enough. Um, So I, and then I'll get to Steve, um, two things linger for me. One is... Yeah, like alone watching TV coming across a slasher movie when you're like 10 or something like that. It's just a, at a certain point, I remember being like, why am I watching this? Like I just it was I don't know that it was upsetting me necessarily, but I was just like, I don't get joy out of this butchering. I have not learned to because I like everything for the most part movie wise. But there was a time I think it might have been like I think it was a Jason movie. I don't remember. It was one of the or it might have been I don't it was one of the like lesser sequels that like you found on like ifc late at night and i just i i was like i don't like that but the thing that i will always remember as the 100 percent scariest film related experience i've ever had has nothing to i didn't watch the movie at the time so i've told you guys the the other the side tale about my ex-girlfriend years ago when we saw sinister right and and something yeah. about sinister just shattered her and she was like you're not going home you have to stay with me tonight um so when I was, I want to say, 12, the Blair Witch Project had come out, right? Mm. And I, I didn't know the the legend of it now. Like, I, I love, I think we talked about this last week, like, hearing about people who thought it was real. Yeah. Like, it just, it's a delight when you hear those stories now. But I went to basically, like, a kind of like a day camp. It was like a tennis day camp. It just like, you know, concrete courts in Brooklyn type thing. My friends went and I went and the person who ran it, her teenage daughter, or I guess like probably like 18, maybe 18, 19 was like somewhat good at tennis, like trying to make it as a career, but like would come and help out. And one day she came and while we were sitting around like eating lunch type thing, told us about seeing the Blair Witch Project. I don't think she told us. I think she just told like other people. I have, first of all, never heard anyone so perfectly like tell you the plot of a movie like it's the gold standard in my brain of how you tell what someone what happened in a movie like didn't miss a plot point that mattered but skipped over stuff that it was brilliant and i was just enraptured and didn't think anything of it but then i i go to sleep that night and i am fucking terrified of the concept of the blair witch because if you tell the story of the movie right you don't know what the fuck she looks like right you don't know what entity it is all you know is the idea of it's she's there right and something about it just for a while i was i was a mess so i actually didn't see it for a long time it's probably like 17 when i finally watched it and you know it's not like i think it loses something when you know it's not like a brand new thing but at the time if you recall was like all the rage so that's uh that's my like seminal memory of like oh my god i uh, a movie has terrified me it didn't even have to show it to me you just told me about it Steve, what do you got? Well, coincidentally, uh, the Blair Witch is also... I have yeah. a whole bunch of moments in my life. The time that I was watching Friday the 13th with my father, and I walked into the kitchen, scared out of my mind, going to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to bed and let this end. And then my dad walks up behind me and goes, Whoa, and I like literally yeah. almost shit my pants. Um, I mean, the, the I'm scariest like, do thing you I've have any compassion, happened. sir? Uh, what was that? Yeah, right? No, I was going to say, the scariest thing I ever I ever had happen movie-wise is still not like a, a horror movie, because I, you don't usually get me with a jump scare or anything like that. Like, I remember 
was it insidious is the one with the red face guy right yeah yeah, yeah, like one of the times where he's behind someone in the daytime was like a real good jump scare. I'm like, oh shit, the rules are different here. But I, that, well, I don't know that I was scared necessarily. The one that scared me was arachnophobia, but that's for reasons that become clear when you're watching the movie. See, for Not me, quite a horror film. Scary is what is changing the way you think. And sure, like you know, as a kid with I, I, I was watching those Friday the Thirteenth way too young. Um, yeah, yeah. And my dad should never have done that. And uh, But, you know, it is what it is. And then I had another movie I watched. I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know the title. All I know was it was a VHS. So it's, it's been years. And there was a, a I think it was a, a police officer who was burned by some serial killer, maybe. And he was wrapped up in bandages after he survived the burning, which you saw him alive. You saw his body like smoking. Someone touched the corpse, and his his corpse starts screaming, which was terrifying enough. And then later on, he's in the hospital, completely wrapped except for one eye. And whoever the killer was comes in and puts a needle into that eye. And I was like, you know, oh Jesus, yeah, not good. Um, those are like you know the some memories. But Blair Witch is the one that stands out because I had just moved to Florida. I was visiting my brother. Or I was living with my brother. I probably there maybe first weekend and hanging out i said i'm gonna go see some movies i actually did a trifecta i did a dick no i'm sorry that's i'm I'm wrong i'm wrong about that i I, I, I have hard feelings (laughs) um so i no so actually i'm wrong it was not that weekend uh but i did do a good trifecta uh and one of them was uh, Dick. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yeah. No, but I saw the, the I saw the Blair Witch. I went alone. I went to like the like 10, 30, 11 o'clock showing. And yeah. I didn't believe it was real. But it still scared the crap out of me. Did you know it was a, uh, like a mockumentary? Or did you go in thinking there was any chance it was a documentary? Well, we were, we actually, the, the company that I was working with, had access to, I think it was a uh, a CD burn of the movie, and that and and everyone was saying this is real, this is real. I didn't want to watch it. I'm like, okay, so you, so I was that was going on. I didn't know 100 percent sure it wasn't real, but I was kind of I didn't believe it. Um, so I saw it in the theater. I left the theater. I was creeped out. That last face in the corner with the hands covering the face or whatever. Uh, still gives me nightmares. I well, I, I went I to my car. This... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I went to my no, car I and, I, and I ended up checking. I, I remember walking cautiously to my car and then getting in. And as soon as I got into my car, I whipped my hand in the back seat just in case someone was waiting for me. And then I went home and uh, no one was there. It was me all yeah, alone. And my brother's dog was just like, for some reason, running back and forth in front of the screen door or in front of the uh, sliding door. And the dog's like one of those dogs that just sits around, does nothing, and just sat there for yeah. half the night barking like crazy. And I was like, just oh, let me all the things that I could I put create in my head, I did. I was like, I was terrified. Oh, yeah. So, the most terrified so as an adult as I, that I ever was. Oh, yeah. Um, so last week I told Miles about a um, a podcast I was listening to where they talked about um, Heather Ann Campbell, she writes for Rick and Morty. Um, she does the uh, the Get Played podcast, the video game one. She was talking about seeing it with a friend at like a early screening, like before it came out kind of thing. And they didn't know it wasn't a documentary. 
because when they were still like doing the soft like it's real and just the idea of it ending where it ends and you walk out and be like oh oh my god like she said she walked down her friend is like upset she's like what's wrong he's like he's like ghosts are real like my worldview has been changed um <laughs> it, it's 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 insane to think about it but what you said about the dog so when i when i was with my my ex and we had the house upstate her dog um there was probably like mice in the wall type thing old house would just stare at the wall and bark and sometimes just stare at the wall and you know if you've uh, perhaps enjoyed your evening miles in one form or another it's really fucking unsettling to look at a dog just staring dead at the wall yeah that'd do it and uh, like real a, quick you know go ahead Oh, sorry, real quick before I forget. Um, uh, Joey, your whole story about like almost as scary as seeing Blair Witch is having someone tell you the story. Yeah. So I had another one real quick that's kind of unique, which is that every, I would say like once every summer growing up, you know, give or take, um, my dad would take us, me and my brothers camping. Mm. And uh, when you're camping and when it comes time, yeah, you're all in the tent, uh, he would always do, you know, spooky stories. And it wasn't until I was much older that I realized that every single one of my dad's spooky stories was actually the plot of a movie. Yes. So, like, I'm watching Alien for the first time, and I'm seeing the beats play, and I was like, man, I feel like I've, have, I know I haven't seen this before. And I get to the end, and it's like, this is dad's story. I thought that was a story he came up with. <laughs> I was all impressed for years that my dad was this ace storyteller, and Blair Witch was one of those, where I... I didn't know that I knew the plot of Blair Witch until I was watching it. Yeah. You better check the credits. Maybe you wrote them. Now I'm wondering what what movie he stole his his wedding toast speech from. Yeah. It's probably out there. We should look around. Speaking Um, about, you know, talking about the camping, that's what worked for me with the Blair Witch is we used to go camping as kids. So that giggling outside of the tent for me is more terrifying than anything in Terrifier. That, you know, like to imagine being there in the middle of the woods, you think you're alone and hearing little kids giggling and then finding stuff outside your tent. That's that's insane. That's like so that's the thing for me for horror. I don't get I get turned off by gore. I get scared by some of the found footage stuff um, and something anything ghosts, poltergeists. You know, even Poltergeist, which I just watched recently, I thought worked really well because it put me in the shoes of the mother and it put me in the, you know, it made me starting to think differently instead of it just being, you know, this is ghost. But I'm like, oh my gosh, how terrifying would it be if you're ch- you wake up and your child disappeared into a television set? Uh, what the F? You know, that's, it's a, it's a different level of terror uh, and horror, you know, personal horror, I guess. So that's the thing. It's like different horror works different on everybody. And I think it's, that's what I like about the the genre is that what you like comedy, what works for me may not work for you. What about, what about video games? Has anyone played a horror video game that, that scared them in the way that a movie can? Well, actually, so I'll tell you what, um, when we were early teens, I want to say, uh, me, uh, my brother, Sasha and our cousin, Ben, uh, we got um, the remake of the original Resident Evil, nice. and we were kind of all three playing it together. And I just have very fond memories of like 
even though it's a single player game, we were very much making it multiplayer because none of us could like make it more than a few rooms without having to pass the controller around. And so we just took turns playing Resident Evil all night. And I'll always remember that there's the famous bit early on when you're in the hallway and the dogs jump out. Yeah. Yeah. When that happened, my cousin was holding the controller and homeboy flew flung it like clear across the room. (laughs) Like he wanted nothing to do with that. (laughs) Phenomenal. Uh, Not it's funny part is I I don't usually get scared by by video games because usually it's a cheap jump scare or just like an unsettling vibe, you know, more so than than anything else. Um, the only I'm trying to think what the scariest one would be. I played the Blair Witch game and like it's fine. Um, Miles might actually play it soon, right? You, I think you have free access to it on something. I was gonna see if I have access to it on uh, PlayStation Plus. I, yeah. I haven't checked yet. It's I did just short. I did just get a uh, Resident Evil Village, which I haven't uh, had a chance to play yet. I, I started I playing it. Um, it wasn't bad. I it 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 resides still at a home I no longer have. <laughs> so. I uh, I think my time with that is gone. But um, Biohazard, the one before that, was was pretty oh unsettling. amazing, yeah, very yeah. scary. That one's probably the closest one because Blair Witch is more just like off and like in a good way of just like I don't feel great that I'm in this environment. Um, but I think it's harder with movies. I mean, with, with games, just because like a movie is supposed to immerse you like that, but with a game, you know you're controlling. You have an avatar you're controlling, so there's a level of remove. I I guess it depends on the game, because in some ways a game can be scarier because you have to make the choice to move forward. Sure. So if you're a massive coward, then like the story doesn't progress until you nut up and move forward. Yes. So hypothetically, and it it depends on the game. I I don't know. I mean, RE7, the biohazard was definitely pretty close to that for me. Early on, um, especially before it got like bigger and like, all right, I, I get yeah. It. The bigger it gets, it sort of loses that. But uh, early on, yeah, especially when you're, when you're like, the, the dad, well, right? isn't he? The dad's like bursting through walls to get to you, and you have like three bullets. So yeah. it seems pretty hopeless at the time. Here's a question um, related, but a little bit uh, tangent. Um, so, what do you believe in? Like, so for me, that's the thing is what scares me is based on a, what I hold dear to me and B Uh things that I believe in. So the Blair witch is enough of that, that kind of blurred area of, okay, maybe a, a witch. Is there some kind of supernatural? I don't know. But is there somebody who thinks they're involved in the supernatural who might do evil things? Uh, I do believe in that. So that creeps the shit out of me, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, I get that. So where, you know, where do you lie in that? Cause that's what I'm like. Yeah. Not, I'm not a, what scares a, you? I don't go ahead. Yeah. I don't assume there's monsters waiting to get me, but yeah, there's that unsettling feeling of like, Oh, someone could get you potentially. Um, I think the closest I experienced that would be, um, going back to that, that house upstate, um, if you're not used to living in a house, you know, you, you know, the, the sounds of a house are new to you. It's like the creaks and like, if you don't know any better, you'd swear someone's walking around. And if you, you know, are already a little on edge from something else, it can, it can, it can really set you off. Cause I remember noticing like, you know, in an apartment, there's a, there's kind of several levels of, of security. It might actually be security guards, but there's also like the downstairs door that's locked and there's the elevator and then your floor and then your door. Like someone, you know, uh, Michael Myers coming to get you would have to make a very active choice to come up to your, you know, floor 
and to your door. Whereas the house has a little bit more of a random thing, especially like, you know, like the back door into the yard, you know, especially that idea of like turning on the light that like just shines like one light onto the yard. It's very much like movies have taught me that like, oh, Michael's going to be standing there. And like, I'm not scared of Michael Myers, but you know, at the end of the night when I was the only one awake, like shutting out the lights and like being essentially the security, I'm like, oh shit, someone could just be there and come in and I can't do it. <laughs> well, my, about this. my Blair Witch evening, that's what it was. Outside of that sliding door was the light that if you, if I turned it on, I would never turn it on. I'm letting the dog yeah. deal with it and I'm hiding in the, <laughs> as an adult, hiding in my bedroom like a baby waiting for morning because I am not going to see what's on the outside of that. You're going to have to oh, bust yeah, through I, that door and then I'm, you know, then it's game over. But I'm not going to turn like on the lights. It's not familiar. You know how it works. That, like, like that house, you know, was was sort of my house. So, like, I, I didn't feel uncomfortable. But the um, the Airbnb thing that, that my, my ex had, like, shared with a friend and would Airbnb out and otherwise was their, like, vacation house. Similar kind of idea, you know, pitch black upstate, different than, I, than I'm used to, obviously. It's never pitch black in, in the city. And the dog having to go out at night. You know, the her dog loves to go in and out and like play and like, oh, you're going to come out like, oh, you're letting me out one more time. That means you want to come out. Right. But if it's like two o'clock in the morning and pitch black and I didn't turn on my uh, the like the light, like I'm not going out there in the dark, like it's going to grab me, you know, whatever it is. So that kind of stuff. Yeah. The lower level scares, not necessarily spooks and and such and gobbledygooks and such. Miles, what about you? Um, so I don't know that I'm, I'm, I've never really been in the camp where I seriously entertain the idea of ghosts being real. That's just not how I'm wired. What about um, ghoulies? Uh, ghoulies potentially. All right. Um, I think I, I, when it comes to ghosts in movies, I think they can potentially be effective at, if, at the very least of eliciting jump scares, just because anything that's like a supernatural thing like that. From a cinematic standpoint, it kind of open up, opens up the rule book where, like, until they've clearly established what the rules or the lore are or whatever, it's kind of an anything can happen scenario. And because sure. anything can happen, you're not just worried about, like, a physical thing in the shadows. You're worried about, like, the editing because they're mm-hmm. looking at a thing and then it's going to cut back and there's going to be something over their shoulder kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, going back to that uh, uh, insidious scare. But for me, the thing that really gets me and probably the reason why I like so many like, you know, gory sort of slasher things is uh, body horror. That's the one where like imagining and the like visceral sensation of like what can be done to the human body or what the human body can do to itself. Uh, It's a big reason why uh, Cronenberg's one of my favorites because it's so explicitly about that. And that's the kind of stuff that like, you know, I know the fly could never happen, but the idea of like my skin falling off to reveal like a insectoid kind of thing underneath that really get quite literally gets under my skin. Sure. Um, Speaking of ghosts, you know, you, you've been doing your horror movie watching, which um, not by the time you listen to this, but by the time the next episode goes up, you will have been able to read, you know, how that how that all wrapped up. But you've seen a couple of things. Has anything involved the ghost recently? Uh, a few. Yes. Uh, at least yeah. the last two. Do it. Uh, let's, let's, let's hear about it. And then we'll double back to uh, VHS and, uh, and Halloween. 
Absolutely. Um, so the last one I probably talked about was Saloon, which is kind of a ghost story of sorts. It's more of a um, uh, sort of regional specific variation on a supernatural entity that I'm not as familiar with. But from a functional standpoint, they work a little like ghosts. Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, I did three animated horror movies back to back, which just goes to show the diversity of the genre. Uh, we have the anime Perfect Blue from uh, acclaimed filmmaker Satoshi Kone, uh, which was incredible. Um, really good sort of paranoia driven kind of a thriller that like it does. a There's a million and a half movies about like, you know, the main character thinks they're going crazy. What's real? What isn't? But mm-hmm. this is a scenario where the main character is an actress And so they do a really good job of like, she'll like wake up in her room and like, oh no, what's going on? And then she'll be having a conversation with someone and it seems to be about like how she's going crazy, but then somebody will yell cut and it's actually part of the show. And then she'll wake up and do the same thing again, but now the character names are different. And it just, it really keeps you on your toes as far as like what's actually happening or not. Um, So that's one I'd highly recommend. I do Uh, believe, is there a scene with with the, the female character is like in a tub? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. uh, Aronofsky has cited it yes. as being a big influence on um, he, he did some scenes wholesale in Requiem. And then the structure of the plot is remarkably similar to Black Swan. I was double checking to see if I could find it, but I believe at it's the on Shutter. Time, yes, I believe at the time they um, had to get the rights to like remake Perfect Blue, essentially. Uh, yeah, there's some sort shot. of. There's something sort of wrangling that they had to do because it was so one to one. Yeah, I just remember that that's that was how this that uh, perfect blue first came on my radar. Uh, but go on, I just it, it perked me up when I heard that. I remembered it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely worth seeing. Uh, then we did the Spine of Night, which I believe came out last year, last and uh, Sundance or two Sundances ago, I think it played. Two that Sundance sounds right. Ago. Yeah, um, and that one is uh, a sort of. The horror elements are light, but they're there. Uh, It's more of like a sort of a fantasy epic. Uh, It's done with the same kind of rotoscope animation as like, if you remember the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings and that kind of thing. Um, The the filmmaker does something on TV right now, right? Um, I can't think of what it is. It's on Adult Swim, I think. Oh, maybe. Uh, it's, it's, It's a style that's been used not irregularly, but it's never looked as good as it does here. And there's just imagination for days. It like it gives the animation like it both grounds it and gives it this sort of looseness that uh, makes it feel visually distinct. The sure. story is very, you know, epic and sprawling and in such a way that like you can't ever get too attached to any one character. But um, the scope of what it's doing is really interesting and it's got a lot of imagination to spare. Mm hmm. Um, after that, I saw what's probably, it might be the best of the three animated films I watch. It's definitely the most technically impressive, uh, which is the Wolf House, sure. uh, which, uh, comes to us from Chile uh, a couple of years back. And, um, it's basically like a fairy tale allegory about like, you know, a woman hiding out in a ha- in a house from, um, nearby Germans And um, but it's all done in this stop motion style where it's actually in this house and it's all meant to sort of have that appearance of all being one take. 
So what that means is that the film is essentially being animated as you're watching it. So like characters will be like, you know, painted out in real time on the walls and talk to each other or will be formed out of like paper mache or tape strung together or things like that. And like the sets and the rooms will change and evolve. Like they'll have full on paintings that they'll then destroy. And uh, it's just it's it's kind of difficult to describe, but it's absolutely it's one of those things where it's like this doesn't even just feel like a movie this is a piece of art that needs to be in a museum or something like that Damn. um but it's also really you know creepy and unsettling at the same time mm-hmm. uh so definitely worth a watch uh probably the weakest of the recent spate is um my wife kelly's birthday was on monday and uh so she got to choose what we watched so in addition to ticket to paradise which was fine and yeah, it was exactly, exactly what I told you what it was. It's it's this is a movie that believes in truth and advertising. It tells you in the trailer, it tells you in the first 10 minutes exactly what it's going to be. And it delivers on that. And you, you can't fault did you, for that. Did you stay for the credits? Yeah, I saw the Brad Pitt bit that it that, was that, the funniest that, part of the movie. Exactly. It's the best part of the movie. Yeah, totally. Uh, although I don't think I share your same view of a blooper reel being a negative thing in a movie. I miss seeing them. I like them. I just I think often where we still see them is in the worst movies. Not like Apatow does it sometimes in good ones, but I'm thinking of like, you know, the like, where they seltzer and, and the, you know, the, the date movie. Right, the movie. spoof movie. Yeah, well, they, I they think were there, may be, there may be an element of them ruining it for everyone else, which that would be, be pretty in keeping with their whole mission statement. Yeah, no, they very much have ruined most things that they've touched. So I could see that being the case. Um, but anyway, since Take It to Paradise is not a horror movie, uh, the horror adjacent film that we watched was Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really grow up with Elvira. I'm obviously aware of her through, you know, cultural context, but I'd never really like watched her host a show or have seen anything that she's been in. So this yeah. is my first like major exposure. Um, Listen, it's not for me. (laughs) It's Kelly liked it more than I did, but even she was like, this is kind of it's it's one of those things. It's it's trying to be a comedy, but like one in 10 jokes are going to hit. And it's at best like a half hearted chuckle. It's got a surprisingly good villain um, who like turns into like this like weird warlock at the end. Um, But like Elvira herself, I don't know how much is the performance and how much is just the way it's written, but she comes across very nasty and abrasive and mean to everybody. But Mm -hmm. like the movie never turns her around on that or makes her learn to be nice or whatever. And so it's just like, it's hard to get invested in anything that's happening to her. And I guess it's meant to be one. It's, it's one of those things where literally like one in every three boat jokes is about her boobs. And most of the jokes don't go any further than she has them. And they're like, yeah, um, I, I can tell they're substantial. Like she'll be eating something and a piece of it will fall on the boobs. And she'll be like, oh, and then that's the joke. So like she's surprised <laughs> that they're in her way, too. All right. Oh, well, sorry. listen, Sounds Steve, funny. Steve's an easy target for boob humor. <laughs> yeah, no, may, maybe this will be up your alley. I don't know. <laughs> but- One boob to another. Sorry, I gotta stop hey, laughing. Like See, I told you, boob humor. It works. <laughs> I, I guess it landed. It yeah. Found its audience. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was not my favorite thing. Uh, last night we did a Chinese ghost story, which yeah. is um, 
87, I want to say. And it's very much like a wuxia style, you know, the same subgenre you'd see like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon or hero or things like that. Um, but filtered through something like evil dead. Mm-hmm. And so it, you've got like these sort of epic martial arts scenes, but also it's a wacky comedy, but also it's like actually a quite touching love story. And also there's like ghosts and demons and monsters and goblins and stuff. And it's very wild and weird. And, you know, the tone is all over the place intentionally. Um, But there's a lot of weird, fun, strange stuff in it. And it's actually quite funny. And, you know, a drunken martial arts master does a rap at one point. Like it's got a little bit of everything. Yeah. And then tonight finishing literally just before we recorded this, uh, I watched Deadstream, which I found mm-hmm. to be an infinitely more enjoyable uh, found footage movie. Uh, it also has a little bit of evil dead in there. And it's all about a, um, a, uh, I guess you call him an influencer, content creator, whatever. The equivalent of a YouTube personality, but not YouTube for legal reasons, um, who's uh, been canceled and is trying to get his image back by live streaming in a haunted house. And he's got to like deal with ghosts and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, he's live streaming. So he's always got to be on, even when he's like mending his broken leg and like doing battle with the demons he's like setting up new cameras and like engaging with his audience like they get a lot of humor out of like like you know he'll be running for his life then he'll stop to check in on what the chat is talking about that kind of thing totally Uh, um so it's a really clever premise really well executed uh husband and wife directing duo excited to see more from them it sounds like a segment uh, from uh, the, the vhs films well, yeah. Um, well, I, I'm gonna think, I, I want to say did they did a section. They did a segment for VHS 99. I'm double checking because I think that's true. Yes, they did. So let's transition. We did this. Steve watched 94. I did and that 99. on purpose. Yes, we we planned this out beforehand. Um, so Steve watched 94 and 99. I talked about 99 a little bit last week. We talked about 94 more. Uh, Steve, tell me about both of them. What you think? Uh, 94 is much better than 99. I'll start with that. 99's production Um, value really hurts it. And it's just not, it's it's trying to be low. It's trying to be more lo-fi and practical. Yeah, but but it's, it's I mean, it looks like something, it looks like a high school project. Yeah, something like the, the, the like corpses, skeleton type things that pop out sometimes do look like a, like a haunted house type thing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It it, it very much so. It felt like something shot in the old shutdown, like, uh, store in the mall that became a whor- uh, haunted house for a few weeks. Sure, it's it's it, the, the the visually, I mean, you know, the graphics and effects wise, it's it doesn't Ozzy, go much above Ozzy's that. Du- yeah, Ozzy's dungeon is the highlight though. The the Legends of the Hidden Temple knockoff segment. Yeah. I think that's the best one. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't really care for any. I didn't like have none of them are none of them are actively bad. There just isn't like a standout in the way that I think yeah, that's the thing. Has... It's 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 fine to have on. It's not offensive and like oh, I wasted my time. It's just not rewarding. Where I thought ninety four yeah, no, had no. a couple segments that stood out. You know, that's a difference. Yeah, the storm drain. Yeah, that's the Hale Ratma. Yeah, the the Ratma was was fantastic and. Uh, what was the other one I liked? Like I, I, I going back to ninety nine, I enjoyed yeah. the idea of some of them, the sorority or whatever that was. 
Um, yeah, yeah, uh, suicide bid. That one's called. Yeah, it's 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 a good idea. It's just it goes long, and then in yeah, the that end, too long for the payoff. The payoff when when you get to the payoff, you're like my gosh, really? What did you go to Party City and pick the first mask on the on the shelf? It just feels like it's like a very micro budget, and you can get around micro budget by not showing the monsters, by not you know revealing things, and and it would have played better, I think. Instead. They decide to, to not only show these creatures, they show them multiple times. I'm like, oh my, who, somebody get, grab the camera and turn it toward, you know, turn it toward the floor, pull a Blair Witch, have them run with it. Instead, it was like full on, here's my $1.99 uh, mask with my $2 fake blood. So that, that hurt it for me. Uh, 94, I like, enjoyed Ratma, and there was another one I really liked. Uh, the, 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 the Mad Scientist? The Mad Scientist I liked. I think that one ran long. So very. Uh, that was Miles' big complaint. I think he he would have enjoyed that one more had it gone shorter. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in there. It's just how many how many different like the focus of it changes. So it starts with you focusing on the scientists, then you have the monsters, or you know, then you have the the guys who break in with the uh, uh, the weapons and. I'm like, who, who's the focus of this? It, it's it almost feels like a, a, a film compressed into an overly long short. So, but if I was gonna watch one, I'd watch 94. I actually did enjoy it. I found it, you know, especially Rotma. Even though I've seen that type of thing numerous times over, I still find some of that stuff creepy. I enjoy some of the found footage because if you can turn off your brain enough to put yourself in those shoes. I think they're 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 much more effective, which is why ninety nine. It's very tough to do that when you go up oh, cheap mask, <laughs> and like ugh, you ruined it for me. So uh, yeah, if you're gonna choose between the two, go with ninety four. All right. So I don't want to spend too much time on the the most recent movie, but I do want to talk about Halloween the franchise. So Steve can briefly say his piece on Halloween ends, but then we're going to rank the franchise. Uh, Miles, you did it on the interwebs recently, correct? Yep, and I've got mine pulled up. All right, and my, and Steve knows his pretty much by heart, so I'll I'll chime in at the same time. But Steve, you can, you can briefly talk about Halloween uh, ends, and then why don't you, since you care about this more than, than we do, I think, kick us off with your Halloween rankings. Okay. I guess, you know what, start from the bottom, and when you get the Halloween ends... You know, yeah. maybe we'll do it that way. Like, what's everyone go in like reverse order? Okay, that sounds like a good idea. I think, right? So yeah, Steve, tell us your your worst Halloween movie. Mine is Halloween Resurrection, the famous Busta Rhymes one, and there's a reason. Not maybe it's not the worst film overall. Maybe it is. I'd have to go back and watch it. I, I don't think I've seen it since I you know I, I've watched it once probably, but that was the one that signaled to me. Guess what? Remember Halloween 1, 2, 3, 4, 5? Uh, it's done. It's over. You know, the Halloween's movies as you know them are done. And it was really upsetting because I loved the original and I, I liked some of them in between. But that one, I was like, okay, you've given up. Uh, there was no writing. There was, there was nothing to it. It was just just trash. You bought some, You paid the money to have celebrities to bring in Jamie Lee Curtis and nothing else. Um, so that's that's uh, my so you, my very lowest. So that's your bottom one. Miles, that's my bottom. What's your worst one? 
Uh, my bottom one, and spoiler, my bottom two, uh, are the Rob Zombie ones. I fucking hate those movies with every fiber of my being. Um, I find them horribly offensive, both as Halloween movies and just as movies, period. Um, I mean, I, I hate them pretty equally. I have two on the bottom because, you know, it it is doing a new thing and it is doing something different. I just hate what it's doing. So what is it that you say as a film, you know, it's offensive. What, why? I, I don't recall them that, that, that well. They're just so, I mean, I'm, this partially comes down to just Rob Zombie's sensibilities as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. but there's no plot. There's just a bunch of rednecks like cursing at each other. And like every other line is a dick joke. And there's like, they, they try and make Michael the most sympathetic character. And like, you can't help but like pick on this like light element of like Rob Zombie, like self-insertion into the story. And like, Oh, he's just like me. I was a, you know, kid, nobody understood me. And it's like, there's something really off and kind of weird about that. There's a whole bit at the asylum where they have to make Michael the good guy in a situation. So they have another inmate burst into his room and like rape a girl right next to him just to make Michael seem heroic by contrast. And it's just, it just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth and it's so viscerally unpleasant to experience. Again, I've watched those once. I don't recall them that well, which is why the, my bottom six are kind of a mess. I'm like, I would really need to go revisit all of them in order to truly rank them but I'm going based on my, you know, where I feel right now. So, Sure. Um, my bottom one is, uh, what is this one? It's is it five or six? The Curse of Michael Myers. No. That'd be six. Yeah. There's a, well, when we get into it and we keep going, you'll understand. But the, uh, I guess I, I can spoil it. Uh, Return of, Revenge of, Curse of, they all kind of come together as like nonsense sequels to me. That's not where I... I got a big kick out of. Um, I'll throw in Resurrection there on the bottom also. As like, that's where you're just like, these are cheap horror movies made to make a buck. I, I would argue that, so there's 13 of these, right? So if you take yeah. away those four, I could probably make a case for the other nine to one degree or another. Give or take H2O and, and, and Zombies Halloween 2, which I think are doing a thing while also existing because the first one made money. The rest of them, I think, have a have a point. Uh, I'll also say I understand that Halloween 2, the original one, like John Carpenter, literally made it for money. But it's still a John Carpenter Halloween movie and is well made. Hmm. All right, so, I'll, I'll also throw out, since we uh, brought it up, that uh, my next one down after the zombies is Resurrection. Because I think it's, I agree with Steve, yeah. that it's pretty much garbage and right. not worth since anyone's time. I feel like we're kind of going to have similar things with just the middle being different. Steve, why don't you you give us now the rest of your your lists? Well, like I said, my, you had my bottom six are are kind of a mess. So where this last this trilogy lands, so I'll I'll cover all three of them and uh, address what you said last week. So my biggest complaint, okay. or disagreement, not complaint, uh, with what you were saying last week, you were too nice to Halloween ends. You're too nice to <laughs> the the filmmakers because they knew they were making a trilogy they had the opportunity to write out just like this the final um star wars trilogy where he said you knew you're making three you didn't write out a story beforehand you didn't have a, a plan of attack you didn't know what you're going to say and 
going from one to the next. So I hated Halloween, you know, the Halloween 2018. Uh, when Halloween Kills came about, I could only put that lower because I'm like, what's the direction here? I understand what, you know, they're making some social commentary, but that was garbage. They had one also, and that's where that, it's really tough to decide where these rank because there's the one scene in there with the Donald Pleasant scene. Um, Dr. Lewis. Yeah. Which yeah. worked incredibly well. Uh, which I mean, I was like, I, I loved everything else around it was, was trash. But as a whole, all three of those films are a failure because you had years, you had Jamie Lee Curtis, you had Carpenter, you had everything you needed to tell a good story. And you told a trilogy that felt like it was made by three different filmmakers that didn't have an arc that when you, you know, a spoiler alert, the, the Halloween ends with a character that you never heard of in the first two. I'm like, well, who the f didn't plant the seed at least in Halloween? Hey, we we talked about that last yeah. week of like they could have if they had, if they had threaded Corey through the first two, you wouldn't mind this yeah. being his movie. Sort of, you'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah. So it's such a sudden like recalibration that it there's leaves a weird there's nothing weird there. feeling. So kills yeah, so and I'll, kills and ends are my are my bottom three or two and three or you know okay going in wherever they land it doesn't matter. The Rob Zombies just automatically go above them because I don't remember them all that well. But at least there was a vision there. Do I like the vision? No, but someone freaking had a plan. Uh, Halloween then above that. Halloween 2018 because there's 60% of it that I enjoy. Um, in the end, I look, you know, going back, I, I look at that. I'm like, it wasn't terrible in comparison to where we ended up, but as uh, a continuation of the original, it's still a, a big failure. Okay. So there's where I land on the bottom six. Yeah. Do you want you want to pause on the better ones for a second? Then we'll come sure. back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So since I have probably the least to say about Halloween, I'll just give you my my rankings because I think we differ enough that as you and, and Miles talk about yours, you can get into what you like about them. Um, so at the bottom, I have Curse of Michael Myers. Then I have Halloween Resurrection. Then I have The Revenge of Michael Myers. Then I have The Return of Michael Myers. Then I have uh, Halloween 2, the zombie one, the 99 one. Then I have H2O, which, spoiler alert, I believe Miles likes better than, than I do quite a bit. Then I think, I don't know where Steve comes on that one. Then I have Halloween Kills. Then I have Halloween Ends. Then I have Season of the Witch. Also will prove divisive, I think. Then I have Halloween 2, the Carpenter one. Then I have Halloween 2007, the zombie one. Wow. Then I have Halloween 2018, the Gordon Green one. Then I have Halloween 78, the Carpenter one. So here's what we learned. I really like the beginnings of these franchises. Yeah, I was going like, to say. I like that story. Like I, And I kind of like that there's three different versions of it. Mm-hmm. That are kind of recognizable. They're in conversation with each other in a way. Now, I, I think I kind of Rob, agree with that. Rob Zombie's one is Rob Zombie's one is 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 the most disposable of it because I don't know that he has a take. I just think he effectively made a slasher movie at a time when I wasn't really getting a ton of them. So I think that might be why I like it more than than maybe both of you, um, Miles. Since you did your next two, why don't you give us the rest of your ones you don't like? Well, so and I think I briefly touched on this last week. I don't have as strong an overall connection with the franchise as I think Steve does. Yes, um, I friend. didn't see the I didn't see the original till I was in college. It's his. And, it's his saw. Yes, sure, it, is. it def- definitely is. And 
and I probably didn't watch any beyond the original until like the year before the 2018 one came out. So it was 2017. Mm-hmm. Sure, I remember. I remember. You know, we all saw the original at some point because it's a classic. Like it's one of those movies that like even your parents who don't like horror, are like yeah, no, we know that movie is like exists. Yeah. But I found Halloween two like on TV one time. You know, and like when you're a kid, I think Halloween two was more effective also because. <laughs> He's a little more violent. Like, it's just him butchering in the in the in the in the uh, hospital. Like it's it's getting to like the core of like the Friday night slasher crowd. Yeah, it's good and scares. It's it's not a great film. It's good scares. It's no, it's 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 a it's a paycheck job, but it's a good paycheck job. Yeah. And then obviously, season of the witch is is can can you imagine if that movie came out now? If like it would be like if only Corey was in Halloween uh, ends in a way. Like just he's not in it. Like, wait, it's just Corey? In a way, I yeah, would have there's, been... There's I not would, even the mask. I would have been happier. <laughs> yeah. I would have been happier if you only had Corey. Th- well, that, at least they would have committed to the full yeah. swing rather than make the movie about Corey, oh. then kill him like 30 minutes before the end. Yeah. True. Well, yeah. well no. Oh. He kills himself. Spoiler alert. Well, uh, well, the movie kills him is yeah. what I mean. I mean, listen. The filmmakers the killed him, those sons of bitches. The movie, the movie has yeah. made its money already. It is, uh, it is safe. If you haven't watched it now, you're, you're not going to see it. Like that... Yeah. Horror is top heavy to begin with, and the Halloween franchise has proven to be very top heavy. And so, if you're listening yeah, when you're Halloween ranking safe. Halloween films, I'm sure you're not worried about spoilers. That's well, true. yeah. Um, but so to go to my ranking, the way I I kind of divvy it up into three sections. The the top four are the ones I genuinely really like and get a lot of enjoyment out of. The middle five like could all change spots, and it wouldn't really make much of a difference for me. I just sure I don't. I don't hate them, but I don't feel strongly about them one way or another. And then the bottom four are the ones that I like think are actively bad movies. So um, the four that I think are actively bad, I already mentioned the two Rob Zombies at the bottom. Resurrection, because it feels cheap and dumb and boring and it's not scary or interesting. Um, And then I do have Curse of Michael Myers because I think it's just kind of a broken film. And it really shows that, you know, Donald Pleasance died while they were making it and they couldn't give his character a proper send off. And so there's multiple cuts of it. There's multiple versions you can see, but none of them are satisfying. Yes. Um, And I think that there was some maybe interesting stuff going on in the Jamie trilogy, but that just sort of, you know, wipes out any potential it could have had. Also, Um, how come no one has done the Buster Rhyme line every time we talk about resurrection? I don't even remember the line. That's probably why. Yeah, I've erased it from memory. Oh, uh, all all I know is that they they he kung fu fights Michael Myers, and it's the most embarrassing thing in the world. Well, he also says he also says trick or treat, motherfucker. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, cool. PST. (laughs) Yeah. PSTD. You can you can tell it's made by people who are like you know what the kids like. Buster rhymes. (laughs) Come on, gather on. I'll tell you what the kids like. Yeah. Buster rhymes, and and we hear that they love when people say say dirty words. Oh, it's it's horrific. It's, bad. it's it's really bad. Um, um yeah. so then to quickly go over my middle section. Um, so these are all yeah, you know, I I don't feel strongly about them. So I've got Halloween Kills at the bottom because I think it's just disjointed and doesn't come together. Um, I've got Halloween Four, Steve. I know that's one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. It just never really did anything for me. Um, then I've got Ends, which. I don't necessarily think is better than kills, but it it's doing some stuff. It's never boring. It's doing something. And unlike the zombie one where the something it's doing is unpleasant to experience here. I'm like, I 
like I don't think it's good, but I didn't have a miserable time following. No, you're along. you're you're more engaged than you probably would be otherwise in a movie that you would find to be like I think it's fine, but of a middling quality, perhaps. If like you're you spend not a lot of it being like anything could happen now, like I don't know what they're planning next. If you are not as connected to the the series, the franchise, as someone like myself, I could see it being okay and being fine for somebody who actually is waiting to you know to conclude the Michael Myers story uh, as they promised. Yeah, yeah. It's you know it's a it's kind of a slap Listen, in the face. I'm, sh- I'm sure we we Miles and I have been slightly spoiled in that Saw has always been made kind of by the same group in a way. Mm-hmm. So they they haven't made the like just craptacular like oh we just got to make a Saw movie. You know that like is almost parodying itself. So we've been we've been a little lucky there. You know we haven't gotten Jigsaw Resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> or like he turns it. Wait, turns Buster Rhymes wasn't trap. Or Saw in Space, for that matter. Listen, um, Saw in Space. I mean, I, I don't know how. I we, guess, we want listen. it, but we know in our heart of hearts it wouldn't be good. Yeah, yeah. We to- Tobin Bell uh, cryogenically frozen. Is that, the, is that the new twist? Oh, I like it. <sighs> yeah, it could be stasis. something. Yeah, save it for when um, you pitch your movie later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then on the higher end of my midsection, I've got Halloween five, which I like the best out of the Jamie trilogy, because I think the final act in the house is like some of the best stuff in the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then Halloween two, the original Halloween two, which is it's fine, but it still feels early enough that the franchise hasn't, you know, eaten its own tail mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. Um, and, and then since yeah. I'm here, I might as well just the four that I genuinely like. I really like H2O. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe I'm a sucker for those early 2000s, late 90s tropes. But like Williamson, so, something about that one is is satisfying. And oh, not Williamson, because I don't like Scream. No, I think he, but, I think um, he was involved with it, wasn't he? Didn't he write it? He, he is. Yeah, but he's not the reason I like. Oh, it. Um, no, I just I think it's it works as a standalone and that ending where she chops his head off i'd be lying if i said i didn't cheer and like the the themes playing and it's just like hell yeah um then i've got the 2018 one which i thought was if you're gonna wipe the slate clean i thought was a really fun return to form i don't think they ever made a convincing argument that it should be a trilogy and i would have preferred it as just a one and done but it is what it is uh and then I've got three, which is just delightful for reasons that have nothing to do with the rest of the franchise. And then I have the original at number yeah. one. Which also the funny part is the the David Gordon Green Halloween is technically Halloween too. also. Yes. Well, there's three movies that are called Halloween, which yeah. I fucking hate. Yeah. And one and there's two movies called Halloween, too, while one of the movies called Halloween is taking the place of a movie called <laughs> Halloween, too. Yeah, true. So if really, the Gordon Green trilogy is Halloween two, three and four. In a way, yeah. Which, which, you and know, you could even say you lose season four of the is witch, actually but... three if you lose season of the witch. So that's good. Yeah, it gets all screwy. <laughs> Steve, do your rankings real quick, and then we'll move on. Okay. So uh, going back, so real quick with Halloween, if you took out the doctor part, which seemed inspired at first, and then was completely like, I, I don't even know what their their intentions were there. That, it, that's the worst part of the movie yeah, for yeah, sure yeah. if you had if they had something there some substance there that would be a good standalone and that could have been the end of it um you really could have closed it out and said that's it jamie lee curtis thank you very much we appreciate your time and uh, move on but they 
they screwed it all up. They're, you know, it's a mess. So going in from the, the bottom or the top six, uh, the curse of Michael Myers, I am, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm a little kinder to than most people because it is part of a trilogy. It's, is it, it's sloppy at times, but four, five, and six are connected. Now their budget was terrible. They didn't pay to have the actress, uh, I think it's Daniel Harris, I believe, um, come back and reprise her role as Jamie, which was a huge mistake. But you get Paul Rudd, Donald Pleasant's last uh, last stand. And if you see the producer's cut, I think it is, that I found in like a VHS, it was cursed. Um, it's okay, and I could see what they were pl- what they're trying to do. Uh, if you you know, if someone threw him a few thousand dollars to to bring uh, the the actress back, I think it would have played better. But yeah, kind of a mess. Plus, he died in the middle of it or the end of it, whatever it was. I I I I I'm a little like I said, I'm kinder to it than than most people are. Five is okay. Um, there's parts about it of it I like. There's parts of it that feel like Michael Myers, but as a whole, it's a it's a typical middle piece of a trilogy and doesn't have much to say at all. Um, I like the whole Thorn idea, the cult that is, you know, where Michael gets his powers and the mystery of that. Um, but it, you know, seeing six, it never really comes to fruition; it becomes a mess. But overall, it's okay. H two O, I don't recall enough. I do what. Uh, Miles had said uh, that worked for me. The you know, the beheading and kind of closing out the Jamie Lee when you thought they were closing out her story. Uh, Halloween two is uh, it's a typical sequel. It had, had nothing. It didn't really had much to say, um, but it did feel like Halloween, which I liked. So there's that. You know, like if you play those back to back. It feels like a Halloween film, which some of these, if you go back, if you go through them, especially the Busta Rhymes, the only thing that's Halloween is the Michael Myers mask, which is actually probably also a discount version. Also when he goes trick or treat, motherfucker. Oh yeah. Trick or, yeah. That's of course, that's classic, classic John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, so top three that's intended. <laughs> that's what he said in about 30 years. We'll do the trick or treat motherfucker line and it's going to really pay off. Um, I want to believe miles. I want to believe that when he's playing like Call of Duty, when he murks a guy, he just says trick or treat, motherfucker. Yeah, like he's <laughs> never said it in public, but secretly he thinks that line's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here it goes. This just goes on the list of like, if we ever get to have a conversation with him. Yeah. So, uh, final three. Uh, number four. Three and three and four, I, I was t- tough deciding between who is my number two. But if you rewatch four, after rewatching one, it echoes a lot of of one. It, it carries it. the The tone at times is very similar. It um, it does a good job connecting the trilogies. So they kill off Laurie, supposedly, in that trilogy in in four, and they continue it though in a way that doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a cheap, you know, uh, throw together attempt to make a sequel and say, okay, well, Michael Myers is going to show up in a new town. No, it's not. It's a continuation in a way. And there's elements of it, especially the last you know, few minutes, which I think still stand up as some of the best moments or one of the best moments in all of Halloween, uh, the very ending of four. So if you haven't seen four, go back and revisit it. Watch Halloween one beforehand 
And uh, I, I think I think that's it. That could be your that could be your only two films in the in the whole series, and I'd be happy. Uh, Halloween three, it's craziness. I like it was more of the idea of like let's be, make this an anthology, I guess, a series that you know these aren't connected. It's just connected by Halloween, uh, but it's dark and it's creepy as hell, and it's totally <laughs> like nineteen eighties all over it. Uh, from top to bottom and that works and then number one is a classic one of the best films of all time right up there with psycho when it comes to horror films um the the score is it just i mean you you hear two notes and you know you're listening to halloween and if you play those two notes anywhere in the dark when you're all alone it's scary as shit um but yeah one of the best films of all time, and it's barely any gore. There's nothing to it. I'm actually going to show it to my daughter because I'm like, I can show this to her. It might scare the shit out of her, but she's she's ready to to watch something like this. So, this Halloween night, it's Halloween, 1978. So there's my Steve. I think you and I are probably the same in that um, our favorite part of both kills and ends is hearing the John Carpenter score at the beginning. Yeah. Like just the opening credits. Yeah, yeah, and then, that's my favorite part of both movies. I like I like that in in uh, in kills. I like I said I like the Donald Pleasants because they captured they actually had them. Which real quick, I know we, I don't want to go on to this too long, but what I really was upset about with the new Halloween films is how rarely did they feel like a Halloween film? Where was that first person point of view through the mask? I know it's an old technique. But you could have used that because it so directly connects to the the feel of the original. And if they had that moment with Corey, would have been perfect. Maybe they did, but you know, I was. They did. Though did they? I, yeah, I'm but gonna, it's not very good because again, it's Corey. Yeah, I also may may, may have had a gummy. Um, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, there's there's very little to that film that that felt like you're watching a, a Halloween film. And I know I, that doesn't matter who you throw the mask on. Just like the Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, he's got a hockey mask, but there's wait, certain wait, wait, Halloween. Wait, pause. Stop. Yep. Miles. Nobody ah. cared who I was till I put on the mask. Come on, Bane. Don't care who I was till I put on the mask. There we go. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> there we go. There <laughs> That's good. All right. There we go. Um, yes. So we've said our piece on Halloween. Um, Let's take a question. How about that? All right. <laughs> Your enthusiasm knows no bounds. <laughs> um, well, we have a horror-themed question and a non, so I'm going to pull up our horror-themed question first, and then we will um, move back to the non-horror, because believe it or not, other things have happened. What? The, uh, yeah, like Miles saw a movie that's going to get nominated for a bunch of Oscars. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um Things of that nature have, have happened. So give me one second to find the uh, question from Kayfley. Spoiler alert, it's from Kayfley. Oh, you rock, Kayfley. I got it. Kayfley says, Happy Halloween, fellas. See, that's why I, I wanted this. I knew what I was doing. Happy Halloween. They said, Hap, they said, Hap Halloween, fellas, and I kind of like that. I want to I make Hap Halloween uh, happen. Thanks for always taking my ridiculous questions and very early awards questions for you this week. See, this is how we're transitioning. Um, who could you see being nominated for DGA first feature? Do you think the Globes will have any influence on the Oscar race at all? I can answer that one by saying no. <laughs> uh, 
I think they have a little bit of a longer road to hoe before they get to uh, be in, important again. Not that they ever were. And they all and Kayfley also asked if you can guarantee one Oscar na- nomination and one win today, what would it be? So DGA first feature and a nomination and a win. Um, if I can guarantee a nomination right now, I'm gonna choose to do someone who's gonna maybe have a harder time to get nominated than others. I'm gonna say Zoe Kazan, best actress. She said. First nomination, she's really good. It's one of her best performances. Win? I don't want anyone to mess around. I just want Brendan Fraser to win Best Actor. Yeah. I and first feature. <sighs> Hard to say. Let me think on that one. But yeah, do the other stuff while I, while I look at some of the first feature options that I can think of. Um. So nomination, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Um um kihi kwan seems to have so much momentum right now and he's got similar to fraser he's got such a great comeback story i i can't i mean you know a lot of people have him as a front runner to win right now i'm not that confident no 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 i think i think in in the five or six range kind of where i am is probably more realistic right now oh i've i've got him much higher than that i I so i'm predicting the nomination at the bare minimum and i'll also say um the boys from banshees of an and in a Sharon seems pretty yeah, likely. Totally. Um, as far as a win, I don't know. All I know is that what I want in my heart of hearts is for RRR to win best original song. So that, pick an RRR one. so that we can get Ram Sharan and NTR going up on stage oh, yeah. in like sparkly suspenders and doing Natu Natu while like Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman are like fanning themselves and trying to understand what's happening you cut to like a very confused looking jeremy irons or whatever like (laughs) it would be the best moment that the oscars have ever had yeah i mean i mean barbarian's not getting nominated for dj first feature but it should i was just that was one that came to mind so i'm not i can't think of a ton of first features this year i was gonna say i need a list i mean i mean yeah i may just be unprepared we may have to come back to that one next week carefully just remind us um yeah, Steve, uh, tell me if there's a, uh, a nomination and a win you'd like to put in the stone right now. A win or a nomination? Yeah, I mean, both. Uh, a, a nomination? Very, uh, uh, is it Keegan? Is that how you pronounce it? Or Kogan? Yeah. Keegan? I, I think Ke- Keegan it's, sounds right. It's, All right. it's pronounced right. Kevin Smith, Clerks 3. Oh, there you go. Kevin Smith. Yeah. Wait, really? It starts with a B. Oh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with Barry. <laughs> I'll go with Barry Keegan. Um, you know, just as the, as the forgotten, not forgotten, but, you know, the other two roles, or the other two performances, actually all the three performances in that are so strong. Um, I think he can be forgotten, but I think he just adds a little bit of something to the film that really is like that connective tissue. You know, I, I, it's like there's a hierarchy in these characters, uh, mm. and I think you know he represents part of that hierarchy in a way, and which is I, I really, I really want to go back and see that film again because um, I went in completely blind, so you know I'm just in, I'm reading it at uh, in real time. I'd like to go in anticipating and be able to pick up some of the nuances. But I just I saw a clip of him and he kind of wiping his nose and he's it, just his physical performance, I think, is so strong. And uh, he's just not the guy that, you know, he's not the, the marquee name. 
and I think he yep. deserves uh, the marquee an attention. Interview, interview with him on the site right now. We have a okay track record of getting people nominated. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know, yeah. uh, please do. I, it'd be great because, and he seems like a nice yeah. guy too. Um, yeah, as for a win, uh, you know, it's tough right now. I, I the only performances that I've seen that are are up there are uh, Michelle Yeoh and and uh, Kate Blanchett. Um, and they're neck and neck, and uh, I'd be happy with either. Mm. I'm, I, I go back and forth, but you know what? Kate has won, so I'm going to go with Michelle that I'd like to see win because sure. uh, she's fantastic. I, I walked to that theater again, believing in cinema. You, 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 you know, it's, it's tough nowadays to have that cinematic experience because rarely are you in a theater that plays a film that's not you know, superhero related, um, well, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and leaves that impact, you know, a lot of yeah. it's streaming now. So th- that it was just a, such an awesome moment. I walked out, I remember my wife said, how was it? And she, you know, every time I leave a, a, a film, I either on the way, when we're walking out together, I ask her, what'd you think? And, uh, we were like two steps away from our seat and I'm asking her and she always giggles about it. Uh, or I get into the car when she picks me up after a, a film and, she asked me, how was it? And I was just like, I couldn't, I was so excited to tell her about it. Um, yeah. And that's well, a lot of that, a lot of that rests on the shoulders of, of Michelle Yao. So hmm. let's go with well, that. Funny you mentioned Kate Blanchett. See what I did there. Um, Ryan McDermott has a Kate Blanchett film hall face off. What? Nice. Also, so, this is and, all like, um, just like really working out today. Yeah. Also, Milo Sotar. So guess what we're transitioning to after dun, we do dun. this? What? Yeah. Um, and then we'll wrap up with our, our horror uh, pitch. So Kate Blanchett, Film Hog Face Off. Elizabeth or Babel? Or as uh, Schwarzenegger once called it, Babel. Yeah, that was, a, that was a moment. I loved it. I don't know why it made me so happy, considering I wasn't a big fan of Babel. I just, I love it. Um, I was a big fan of Babel. I actually like it quite a bit. Um, I don't know that it's one of her best specifically, but I think no, it's a good ensemble. She's mildly incidental in that movie performance. Yeah, she, she, well, she's more of a she drives the plot more than like does a lot of character stuff, but she still yes. manages to be good as she always does. Sure. Um, Elizabeth, though, I think is absolutely fantastic, and I think it's a great showcase for her, uh, especially we consider how relatively early in her career that was. Uh, it's it's kind of a towering performance, and it's just a really compelling movie outside of that. So for sure, Elizabeth. How do you feel about the Golden Age? I don't know if I've seen it. I probably have, but I don't remember it. I, I don't really Oscar movie sequel. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, oh, I don't feel any strong way about it, but um, sure. but I really like the first one. Fair enough, Steve. Which one for you? Well, I think uh, what is it called? Babel. Elizabeth. Babel. I I, I like the Adil Dazim in that, uh, but Kate Blanchett didn't stand out. For me, uh, Elizabeth, I agree. It's so early in her career, I think at the point I had seen that film, she was pretty much an unknown to me. And I went in knowing a little bit that there was positive buzz, and I walked out and I was like, oh, that was really impressive. And it's such an Oscar film, which when an Oscar film clicks like you know i'm using the air quotes an oscar film clicks it's great because i'm like okay so because i try not to be influenced but 
once in a while you walk out and I'm like, yeah, that, those are the films that they should be made. Even if there's not a huge audience and they're not going to have huge, huge uh, box office. Those are the type of films I'm like, man, the craftsmanship, the hair and the makeup and the costumes and the art direction uh, alone. And then on top of it is her performance. Um, you know, I, it's I go going to a conversation we had off off air. It's what saddens me that how many of those films will be seen in theaters anymore besides the critics. Uh, I'm hoping something changes and we and we get back on track where we can I can go see an Elizabeth type film uh, on a big screen. But, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, Elizabeth and Adil Dazeem. Yeah, I'll let it be a sweep. I don't have a strong opinion about it either. I think she's better in Elizabeth, so it, it's an easy enough way to to pick that. You can tell I don't have strong opinions. Um, next up, notes on a scandal or I'm not there. Oh, man. I think these might be two of her best performances. Two um, of the more wild movies she's been into. Yeah. I mean, I'm not there. Um I was convinced she was going to win the Oscar that year, right up until she didn't. Yeah. Um, she's so like out of the six actors playing a version of Bob Dylan in that movie. I think she's easily the best. Um, and I think it's a really interesting movie besides and a really unconventional biopic that I kind of wish, you know, more movies would take a bigger chance like that. Um, so it's really cool and interesting. Um, Notes on a Scandal, though. What a powerful movie. Judy Dench is so good in it. Bill Nighy and Kate Blanchett, too. Um, I think I'm going to go Notes on a Scandal. Nice. Steve? I'm going to go with that as well. I, in in a way, it's a show where you're a performance, like in a more traditional sense. And uh, yeah, I I wasn't on board with, uh, what's it called? Um, I'm not there as, as much. It was it was okay, but it was inconsistent. So this though, from beginning to end, I was I was, you know, all in. So I will go with notes on a scandal. It's it's close for me, but I, I think I'll go I'm not there just so it's not a sweep. Right. As you know, I'm prone to do sometimes. I noticed without necessarily having the best of reasons. Uh curious case of Benjamin Button or the Aviator. Um, I like Benjamin Button. I, I rewatched it not too long ago and it holds up quite well it's not fincher's best movie i don't think it's anyone in its best movie maybe jared harris but um no i don't even think that necessarily but um it's it's really good and compelling the aviator though is just that is such an old hollywood classic she's so good as katherine hepburn um i'm gonna go with the aviator yeah i'm gonna follow with that uh i think she she does a great job transforming into her without like doing a physical transformation of, of sorts, you know, you know, it, it's, it's just a strong performance. So yeah, let's mm-hmm. go with that. Cool. Um, I do really like Benjamin button. So I'm, I'm going with it not to break this week, the, the sweep, but because I actually do prefer it. Yeah, I, I didn't love the film. Great. I don't know why it worked for me so well, but it's one of those movies that just, I responded to. Yeah. So I uh, I won't uh, I won't forsake it. Hannah or Ocean's Eight? Oh, that's right. She wasn't Hannah. Hmm. Oh, that's um, right. She was in Ocean's Eight. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I haven't seen Ocean's Eight. 
I didn't really have much interest. I don't like the Oceans films. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I don't like any of them. It's not that hot take. The original with Frank. Uh, I don't, I think the original with Frank Sinatra is bad. I think all three of the Clooney ones are bad, and I didn't see eight because I didn't like any of the other ones. But I'm sure okay. she's fine in it. It's a good cast. Um, so I would have to go with Hannah by default. But Hannah is really good. I get it, Steve. You're doing the same thing, right? No, uh, I'm gonna go with Ocean's Eight. I mean, oh, wow. I thought Hannah was okay. I I didn't I I. I was surprised when a friend of mine told me how much he loved it. I was like, I'm like, eh, it's a, it's a film I watched. So yeah, let's go with. No, Hannah's a, Hannah's a bop. I'm going, I'm going Hannah. It's fun. Maybe, maybe I have to rewatch it. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know how rewatchable it is. I don't know that I've ever revisited it. I had a really. I mean, but I, if I didn't have the initial reaction, I'm sorry for interrupting you, Miles. But I was, I was saying uh, you're not the only one with, uh, with the oceans films because I. Yeah. Yeah. I've yet uh, actually Ocean's Eight, where people might have said, "Oh, you know, well, you know, usual sexist and everything." Ah, why, why are they making this version? I was fine with it. I have no, I have no, uh, I, I have no strong feelings as to. Steve just go, wants you to know he's a hero. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying go ahead and do whatever you want okay, with fine, it. You're with, not a hero. I take it away. Okay, I'm a hero. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> he's the hero. That was the worst. Andre, Andre, get out of here. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't care what you do with it. I've no, it, unlike Halloween, where I'll have a very strong opinion. The Ocean's films are like, eh, they're popcorn junk. So, but I enjoyed Steve, the. Eight. Use your coffee. Yes. <laughs> Finally, we're almost done here, dude. I have a limb. Oh, it, it is fantastic. I like I said, two creams, right? Oh. The cream Special rises cream. to the top of the hump. Hmm. Steve, I don't want to alarm you, but the cream seems to be coming from his hump. Uh, uh, more, please. <laughs> oh, my God, that's worse. Uh, quickly, Blue Jasmine or Cinderella? Change the subject. Um, I think she stunned. has more. T- I, I don't like either of these, to be honest. But um, <laughs> I'll give it to Blue Jasmine because she has more to do. Fair enough. Blue Jasmine, Cinderella, or finding out more about the cream inside Igor's hump? <laughs> None of the above. It's lumpy. <laughs> oh, uh, making it better. Well, I'm going to go with Blue Jasmine because I think she's fantastic in Blue Jasmine. Uh, yes, she is. I, she I, is I fantastic she's... in it. I do actually like that movie. Uh, you know, Woody Allen greatest hits at that point, but still, it's one of the last times I think people responded to one of his movies too. Let's call it Gary Allen film, and it's much better. Yeah, the new Gary Allen or the well, no Simpson style, Woodsy, Woodsy Allen. Yeah, the filmmaker. Um, finally, Carol or the talented Mr. Ripley. Hmm. Um, meant to be a patented Ryan, like, oh no! Spoiler alert, I don't like one of these movies, but we'll get to it. Oh, so, she's better in Carol and has more to do in Carol, obviously, but I have a real soft spot for the talented Mr. Ripley. I won't pick it because of her, but I do just it's a movie I frequently go back to. I, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Steve? Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, Rooney's work in Carol is stronger. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go with Ripley as well. So uh, my hot take, I don't like the talented Mr. Ripley. I found it boring. 
I mean, one day I'll revisit it. I still somehow remember the Philip Seymour Hoffman line. You know, Tommy, how's the peeping? Um, but I, I do need to go so back to one day. He is, he's awesome. Uh, that was a good imitation. And I, and I, yeah, and I do like Carol. Well, it's the smarmy, like, how's the peeping? Like, like I know what you're doing and you're a bad boy. And I, Man, I miss him. that you're being bad. You know, it's, it's so sad. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Miles Sotar. You you introduced that as though you were reading a eulogy, which is actually probably appropriate. Well, I kind of I kind of wanted to have that pause for that because, you know, this is I would say one of if not the most acclaimed films of the year. Right. Um, I'm partly to blame for that because it started at Telluride and and uh, and Venice, but has been widely embraced, seen as like a surefire Academy Award player in several categories. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, go on and on with the acclaim. Miles sat down to it after all of this acclaim. And uh, I feel like we're getting a uh, the worst person in the world vibe out of this one. Uh, maybe closer to Power of the Dog, to be honest. Oh, boy. No, somewhere in between. Um... So did you you feel like your two hours and 38 minutes were well spent? Well, yes and no. The film is long, and we've talked a lot this year about, you know, some movies are shorter than others but feel longer. So, you know, I go back to The Batman and RRR, both either pushing three hours or over three hours, but they feel faster to me than films that are only two and a half. Uh, Tar is in the latter category for me. I... Because it I feel starts like I should... with a credit sequence. Yeah, I mean, that's a choice, isn't it? And then it starts um, with the post-movie Q- post Q&A after that. Yeah. So listen, I get what he's doing with the credit sequence. It's... Yes. I wish they were flashier or more interesting credits, but, move you know... A faster. It is what it is. What was he yeah. doing? Um... Well, you know, like like an old Hollywood, like they found ways like you could do music, you could do, you know, interesting fonts. There's a million things you could do. Well, no, I think, but it's just I think what, what, like, what is what is what is he attempting to say? What was the, the goal? There? Oh, 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 well, it's I think because the film so laser focuses on an artist who like she's a conductor. So she's a great and talented and visionary artist. But she also doesn't get anywhere without the orchestra she's actually conducting. So it's a way of the film saying, you know, even though this film is laser focused on this one person, you know, it wouldn't exist without all the crew people. So they're going to get their recognition first uh, before we get into her story. So it's kind of a purposefully pretentiousness in a way, right? Yeah, well, and there's a lot of that in the movie, even down to the name, which we later find out is a bit of an affectation. Um, So I I should be clear, I did not hate this movie. I, It's two hours, 38 minutes long. There's a solid hour and a half in there that I think is genuinely amazing. I think Kate Blanchett is phenomenal, as she always is, and it's among her best performances, you know, I will have no qualms with her showing up at the Oscars and everything in between. And, you know, she deserves the accolade she's getting. Absolutely. She's, you know, she steps her game up as she always does. The supporting cast, really strong. A lot of them in minor roles, but everyone like feels distinctive. Um, my biggest problem with this movie 
and I feel like I've been really sensitive to this lately, is pacing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we, we talked about the credits and then, you know, the full-length interview that starts the film. Yeah. And I don't even mind any of that. It's the stuff shortly afterwards. There's like that. There's like one or two scenes. There's her teaching the class, which is a very good scene. But then it kind of drags a little bit before kicking into the momentum of because we're introduced to the character, but it takes a while for the story to kick in. And once it does kick in, it's riveting. And there's this great, you know, undercurrent of, you know, we we learn a lot more about like her relationships with other, you know, people she's worked with, people who've been above her or worked under her and how she's treated them and how some of that comes back to haunt her. And all of that stuff is great. The trajectory of sort of what happens with her career, certain things come out, her relationships with certain people change. It's like this gradually imploding thing. And it's absolutely fascinating. And it's really, really engaging to see and really well done, beautifully written, beautifully directed, across the board, magnificent. And then the movie sort of finds a natural conclusion, but then it keeps going for like another 30 minutes. And it's that last 20 to 30 minutes where it really lost me. And it takes a, without getting into specifics, it takes a bit of a narrative and locational detour. And it's 20 minutes of movie that could have been two. And it it's all in service of a point that we talked about it a little bit before the show. I personally find a little... There are elitist undertones that I don't think are intentional, but they do kind of come across just based on the framing of it. Um, And so that knocked it down for me. And so I think it's a frustrating situation where it's a movie that I think is brilliant in parts and kind of not so great in others. And so the end result is something that's very good, but that was just this shy of great. And, you know, a big thing for me is, a movie that like isn't that good and never had that much potential to be good, you know, I can be pretty indifferent to. A movie that like was this close to being a masterpiece but didn't quite stick the landing is in many ways infinitely more frustrating. And that's sort of where I'm left with Tar. Sure. I mean, I, I do think the, the ending is i don't even know if not necessary is the right word but yeah i was i was largely riveted but the the epilogue i guess as it were i i only needed a hint at what i saw essentially i don't know that i learned anything besides watching like oh well she's certainly been put somewhat in her place yeah but uh see that's the thing i don't see it that way i i think it's funny that the different reads on it i i think the length of it shows her commitment and who she is and continues certain personality traits of hers that i mean i i I think there's a lot of ways to break it down so i don't want to get into any spoilers but um i'm very curious because I, i you know it's two of three are not fond of the end and and i'm very fond of the end i think without that ending i think if it ended where traditionally you would have thought it would have ended i'm like okay well what was the point you saw that you saw the trajectory here it took you somewhere else and said okay not instead of following a trajectory it it took you narratively where you were interested and then it took you deeper into the character in a way 
Um, and it's very much, uh, if I recall properly or correctly, she, it's not dialogue free, but very light on dialogue for that, you know, as you called it, epilogue. Well, there's a language, there's a language barrier. Yeah. But so, so, yeah, which, I mean, which plays into it, which is why I'm like, I found it kind of fascinating. You just got to watch her and, and I, th- I, I think Blanchett's incredible. I think it's one of the, definitely sure. the performance, if not, you know, it's one of, if not the performance of the year and one of her very best. Um, so, you know what, here's what I'll say. Um, since we want to, we have one more thing to do and it's, and you guys are, are aware of the time. Um, readers slash listeners who want to hear us talk more about the ending. Let's give it like another week or so before it's open wide. Somebody let us know your thoughts on it. We'll, and we'll dive back off that and see what you guys respond to. So we're not just kicking back up an old topic. And also, you know, if you live in like, if you're Mark Johnson in Ohio, you may not have gotten to see it yet. You know what I mean? Not for another year or two. So when it comes out of VHS, he'll get it it around the same time as Avatar three. No, he likes that. He likes that joke. So yeah, that's we'll we'll put a slight pin in it because I do think we both we all have valid points on it. But I think, well, I don't think you can spoil it per se. I think knowing what we're talking about because we can talk about literally what happens. But if you haven't seen the whole movie, I don't know if it rings as as um, clearer towards the did it hit or did it miss section. So I want to wait a little bit and uh, we can get into our last segment and we'll just come back to Tar. Because listen, it's only October. We're going to be talking about Tar for a while still. Uh, real quick before we move on, can I briefly talk about the movie that I never in a million years expected to like more than Tar? Yes. <laughs> um, so I mentioned Ticket to Paradise and I mentioned Tar and I mentioned all the fucking horror movies I've seen because I'm crazy. But there was another movie I saw this weekend. Which, by the way, you're right. Yes, thank you. Um, I did not go into the movie Black Adam with any high expectations. Probably partly due to a conversation with me. Well, you and, like, the 40-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I was always going to see it because I love The Rock and I think he's our generation's equivalent of like an Arnold and like, even if his movies aren't the best, he's always an entertaining presence in them. Even if he'll Um, say Babel as Babel doesn't put the, doesn't put the flair on it. I want, but yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. And I would argue Um, you're getting into your thoughts. Now I would argue we, we have a similar thought train. It's just how much more you were amused by the things that I wasn't amused by. Well, that's just it. So, you know, I went into this. I don't care about the character. The DC universe is so hit and miss. I was figuring, you know, you hope for the best, but I was fully bracing myself for it to be like the worst thing I'd seen all year. Yeah. As of right now, and I've been trying to wrap my head around this all week and I can't really rationalize it, but as of right now, and keep in mind, I've harped on a lot about how great of a year for film this has been. But at this moment, it's in my top 15. I don't think it will stay there. But also, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Because you watch it and you recognize what I'm talking about, that there's like a precocious kid and like a fat, wisecracking sidekick. It's all these like lazy 90s superhero tropes of like, we don't have confidence in our hero. See, I didn't read it that way at all. I had so much fun with this movie. And... Ke- Kelly and I were like, it's one of those things where 
the the stuff I like the best, especially about these kind of rock movies, is there's a, such an obvious bluntness to them mm. that like it becomes hilarious how like it would be bad in any other context, but they play it so sincerely and like with just enough of a wink at the same time that I found myself giggling profusely through a lot of it. I I think he's great. I think you can show, you know, his passion for the character. I like all the Justice Society. I love Pierce Brosnan. Shout out to his little bathrobe that he wears in the one scene. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I know objectively that there's a lot in it that doesn't work. There's a lot of exposition. The obnoxious kid is obnoxious for the first chunk of it. You know, the villain is whatever. But none of that bothered me because I was just having so much fun. Like, I think it's probably my second favorite superhero movie of the year after the Batman. Sure. And like, I can't really defend it in any kind of, you know, critical barometer. Yeah. It's just so stupid. And so dumb and so over the top that I found myself like the super obvious needle drops, you know, the opening exposition little monologue where the kids like before there was Babylon, before all these great ancient cities, there was Kondok giant, you know, text slams onto the screen Kondok in case you weren't paying attention. So you can mine Eternium. Yeah, Eternium and like like all this kind of stuff that like would be bad in any other movie because it's played so sincerely. It's why I love the Fast and the Furious movies, specifically the four that The Rock is in. I think those four are like among the best action movies that have been made in the past 20 years. So your vibe is Um, like, I need to not have a broken arm anymore. I'm going to heal it by virtue of being Yeah, I'm just going to snap my cast off. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah, like this is and so seeing that energy transposed into a superhero movie, I I just thought it was a perfect fit and I really can't wait to see more from the character and right. so, you know, this is not how I expected to go into this week's podcast, but here we are. No, no. Well, we're going to go out though uh pitching our horror movies. So a way you did kind of plan on going out. So we evened it out there. Um the vote will be up on the site, like always. So the way we're going to do it is sort of the same category as we always have. Um, but instead of it being uh, themed in a way, um, this is whatever like horror movie we're essentially kind of making up on the spot. I don't. I I, I know Steve hasn't prepared. Uh, Miles has probably barely prepared, and I've I've done about the same as Miles. So we will have a a good time with this. Miles, you should go first this time. I think. Okay. And. Let's mix up the order a little bit. Do your title and elevator pitch first, so people have a sense of what you're building. Okay, well, I'm going to pitch something that I actually, you know, have already started developing in real life, which is a feature-length adaptation of my short film, American Exorcist. There we go. And because, shameless plug. Exactly, where can we find it? You can... You can find it on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures. It's win many awards. It's it's a lot of fun. It's eight minutes long. But I propose that the short film is merely the opening scene of a much greater epic about a exorcist who is just trying to make a go of it in the social media age and maybe cares a little bit more about getting new followers and uh, recording everything than he does about getting the exorcisms right. But darn it, he's got his heart in the right place, and maybe there's some supernatural entities giving him a hand along the way. Nice. Uh, am I to expect that you are the writer and director of this? You are, yes. 
All right, so I'll, I'll just type that in right now. Uh, it's funny, I feel like I kind of inspired you because I talked about this briefly. Um, so my pick will be in a similar but shittier vein, um, a feature-length version of a short script I wrote in college as a joke. So I am pitching the uh, return of the Grindhouse slasher film because I am making Dorm Room Massacre. Dun, dun, dun. And I don't know that you really need to hear more about what that is. I think you know the movie immediately. It, but here, it's literally uh, kids on, at a college campus um, insert your holiday where everyone goes home for the holiday. They decide to stay on campus for drinking drugs and uh, touching boobies. Mm. And uh, someone there. <laughs> yeah. See, I know Steve loves it. I got his vote. He's even in this game and he's still voting for me. Pull back and, uh, someone or something wants them dead. So I have Dorm Room Massacre. Steve, what's the title of your film? Mine is uh I may have it's part Evil of a series Boots. now. It's it's called VHS Global. And it's going to I mean you might get sued, but okay. Uh, I, I mean I threat. well no, who who's gonna sue me? The guy who couldn't afford a good mask? No, we are I'm, I love how I I love how I gave the theme as we're gonna pitch our original horror movies and all three of us are adapting things. <laughs> I don't write movies because uh, we don't play by the rules. Exactly, here at awards radar. Woo! All right, so VHS yeah, boy. Global. All right, so it's we're the Oscar podcast that talks about Saw more than <laughs> podcasts that are just about Saw. Listen, <laughs> we're allowed. We know what we're doing here. So the All idea right, so. is the concept is we get some great directors from across the globe to tell stories instead of time instead of 1999. By the way. I just want to pause you for a second. You know you have to tell me the director, right? So you're going to have to pick these directors. I'll, I'll pick one. I'm just going to go with – I'm going to bring back the Ratma director. Uh, Chloe, oh, uh, okay. Chloe Acuna. Acuna. Uh, okay. So we'll start with her and then okay. she can choose the next one. That's how we'll do it. You choose a director and she okay. chooses the next and then and so on and so forth. But I would love to well, – Quick, let's get her on the line. Yeah, hold on. Boop, yeah, boop, right. boop, boop. Um, yes. What's okay. that? You're doing anything else? Cheese, please. Yeah. And half hung up? half mushroom. Okay. Uh, she wasn't there. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's essentially it. But it would take you across the globe. Instead of taking you through the decades, take you to different parts of the world. So we would get, you know, you could possibly get something uh, that's in the style of a typical, like a, a Japanese horror, like you're talking uh, ring, Ringu, if that's how you pronounce it. Um or you go to Scotland for a film from a Scottish director set in that area. But, you know, just taking the, the franchise into a, a different parts of the globe rather than different eras. Uh, I think it'd be very interesting. I think it would open it up to a lot of stuff and uh, a lot of, you know, gr- great opportunities. And I would love to see the cast because you would definitely right, become we'll get to that. a much less. Uh, it, it's a very, you know, kind of plain Jane cast as it is, but. And also, I mean, the, 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 the way I work, you, you know, I, I like to go with like the unknowns, like Naomi Watts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll hear when you make these pitches. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we have that. Uh, Miles and Steve have listed his directors. Um, I am going to throw a curveball. I'm not directing this. What? I am writing it, however, Whoa. since I already wrote the short. So I'm just going to take credit for that. But my director is going to be Damien Leone, the uh, filmmaker behind the Terrifier films. 
Mm, nice. He, do, he does gore real good. Now. I cut above the rest. Lead. Yeah, I cut above the rest. Yeah, you might want to you might want to go with that. Um, do you want to have a lead actor or a lead actress? I mean, you can have one of each, so you can give me whichever one you want first, Miles. I'll start with actor. All right. Now, obviously, ideal scenario, I have the cast from the short film reprising their roles, but just for the sake of argument for this hypothetical pitch, he's casting himself. Talking, oh, I am not. I like I'm it. directing. Oh. Are you going to show up at all? Uh, I'll have a cameo. Sure. <laughs> oh, you don't want to be the supporting player? I well, I have a role in mind. I, okay. <laughs> I'm, this isn't as hypothetical as we were talking about. I've written this script. I just need yeah, to, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but I, if I were to cast someone who's a bit more of a known quantity, uh, in the role of my exorcist, who fans of the short film will remember has a very distinctive Bostonian accent, I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to cast Bill Burr as my exorcist. What? All right. Classic Bill Burr. Steve, you have an actor? I do. Uh, I think my first chapter will take place in Korea and okay. South Korea. And I will go with the actress who played the wife in Parasite, uh, Cho Yi Young. So did you skip to actress instead of actor like we were doing? Uh, I'm sorry. I thought I, I thought I could make my decision Oh, oh, we're doing we're doing both. Okay, you want to do your actress? Go ahead. I'll do actress. So yeah, tell me. I, and, and, and I'm probably pronouncing wrong, but I if you paid attention to the podcast ever, I pronounce every name wrong. So uh, Cho Yi Jung from Parasite. From which film? From Parasite. Parasite. You know, uh, if you're going to cast an, uh, a VHS film, you really have to go to like a high school or a college, and you know, but it's being that we're we're casting it ourselves and we have a little bit of money, I'm going to go with. Some higher in talent. Just so like tell myself. Me again the name of the person you're casting? <laughs> Joe, Joe Yeo Young? Good enough. All right. Well, do you, can, can you pronounce I'm it better? Going... No. No? Okay, good. I just wanted you to, to swing. Oh. Um, so I'll, I'll give my actress and my actor, like a little, little uh, snake style. Uh, my actress for a. Uh, sort of B-horror slasher movie set at college with uh, horny teens being killed. I'm very proud of this pick. My lead actress is going to be Sydney Sweeney. Oh, oh nice. classic. That's perfect. Like, actually is a decent, decently good actress. More than decent. Mm-hmm. Like, is a good actress, but very much looks like a splatter movie actress. Also. All right. So now I'm asking, now I'm wondering, is this like a throwback 80s feel vibe to it? Or is it, you know, the title very. gives that it is? Okay. Because yeah, no. I mean, it has it has a. I, I will tell you that I I did sort of like try to like wink a lot at it. Like many of the kills are based on other horror movie kills, like just like shamelessly ripping them off. But as Miles knows, because I don't remember if he read the script, but he knows some of the kills. I've told him they're from bad horror movies mostly. Hmm. It's kind of the quirk as opposed to like iconic like Psycho shower scene. It's more like, oh, it's a kill from American Psycho two. Uh, but yeah, my actress will be Sydney Sweeney, and my uh, my actor, my uh, my hero, who's uh, all horned up for Sydney Sweeney and trying not to get uh, sliced and or diced. I am going to cast Andre the Giant. Well, give me any. Give me this is your this is your horror film. Oh, <laughs> oh, forgot. It really sounds like a college. Student, yeah, right? I'm done. Uh, you know what? I'm, <laughs> like I'm I said, sometimes, up. sometimes I find the group 
that wasn't one of them. My 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 horny teen will be uh, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, oh there geez. you go. How much are you paying for this film? He's not that expensive yet. Uh, uh, well, he's... But he looks like a goody goody. So when he's when he's all like trying, it's uh, it's more clever. I will say that like one of my supporting characters in the movie's name was Red Herring. So you know, there is a type mean of movie like, I was making. You mean like a pup named Scooby Doo? Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I really wasn't burying the lead on like this is a, a tongue-in-cheek horror movie. You know, the 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 jealous uh, the jealous guy at like the Seven Eleven who's annoyed that he hears how the the horny kids are all gonna have a party there. His name is Red Herring. <laughs> as he like ominously looks on. As he's cutting, as he's cutting the the deli meats <laughs> with a very sharp knife, yeah. but not the not the uh, the deli slicer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Steve, who's your actor? We need an actor from you. Well, I'm going to go Miles with. We'll give his actress. I, after having uh, very discreet meetings with him uh, yesterday, was it? Uh, I'm going to go with Shudi Gatwa, the new doctor yeah, of I, sex I was education. Waiting to see if you're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Bring in the, he'll he'll play my Scottish, the lead in my Scottish chapter. All right. He's a good uh, actor. Miles, your 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 actress, Miles. Uh, so my actress is a new character for the feature. She is the exorcist's ex-wife, who is now a journalist investigating his sudden rise to fame. And I'm casting a uh, gradual horror regular uh, who's got a bit more of class that she's bringing to the table. Uh, let's cast Rebecca Hall. Oh, come on. All right. Uh, my uh, Steve, who's writing some of these segments, or at least one of them, since... Miles and I are pulling double and or triple duty. Well, I'm going to surprise everybody, and it's being announced here for the first time. Uh, Miles, Miles is writing one of them. The oh, the Ameri- the the third Miles, chapter called Miles American Exorcist. Like VHS. It's it's oh, my, wait, the so, third. Wait, did he? Oh my god! I think Steve has has uh, has knocked you out of the game. I think he's going to get you wrapped up in a lawsuit, and your movie doesn't come out. <laughs> oh god! No, he's Kevin Groot hurting me. <laughs> Yeah, he's right. You can't make your movie. You have to make his. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I like it. We're keeping it. All right. Supporting players. Miles. Oh, supporting player. Um. Oh, I didn't have anyone ready to go. Okay, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it on the fly. I mean, you want it to be uh, Nah, that's too easy. Uh, let's get... Oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, so the film culminates in an, uh, exorcism of, uh, the mayor's wife and the mayor is running for reelection and using the opportunity to, uh, turn his wife's exorcism into a public spectacle to get votes. This mayor will be played by Bruce Campbell. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm not getting, getting Steve? any votes. Um, Steve, who's your, I, I am going <laughs> Well, I mentioned, do we need two or one supporting? Just one. Oh. I kind of have two. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to go with one. I wouldn't go with, uh, we're going Scottish. Let's go Barry Keegan. All right. There you go. Is he not Irish? Mm, Hey. I guess at this point. I I don't know. When I I talked to him, he said he'd play anything, so. Well. Yeah. Were we supposed no, to be? Mine. Were we supposed to be funding money? You know, no. He is. Uh, yeah, he's totally Irish. 
sure. Well, that's how good of an actor he is. There you go. Um, my supporting player, and we'll make this the last one. We don't need a tech person since we're making our passion projects. We'll hire who we can. Um, uh, there's a uh, wisecracking, sex-obsessed best friend in the movie because it's a slasher movie. You know, you need a you need a horned up guy um, who perhaps meets a less than uh, pleasing fate, let's say. And I want that to be. Tell me if I can get away with this. Cast someone a little older, but have them play uh, play a college student. Lakeith Depends Stanfield. Mm, that's, a, um, that's pretty old. Tell you tell you what. I, here's what you can do: is kind of cheat it. He can be the equivalent of uh, Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused, where he's a little bit older, but he's still hanging out with the college kids. I mean, yeah, that could work. I mean, like I, an RA, like he's their dealer the, or something, like the resident, whatever they call it. Yeah, there could be, there could be, yeah, a way, yeah right? something like that. Because Lakeith is 31, but I would say he. Yeah, looks... but I don't think he can pass for college. He looks young, but he doesn't look that young. Do you have an alt yeah. on, on hand? Um. I don't know of many like under thirty actors that I want in this. What movie. about uh, what's his name from Stranger Things? That would Lucas? imply I watch Stranger Things. Yeah, the kid who plays Lucas. I don't know his name. Uh, uh, the one who I've always thought would be a great static shock. All right, Caleb. I, I pulled up a, a list. Caleb McLaughlin, something like that. I pulled up a yeah, list. Yeah, he look, of, he's uh, looking about college age now. Yeah, he's he might be a little a young. List of younger actors. To watch yeah, but by the time this gets into production, because oh, yeah. there's going to be a lot of delays years. when I'm hired to direct that as well. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, because I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you out of my contract. You mean I sh- should I go for the the PR uh, rep and just uh, just cast Jaden Smith? Oh God, I mean you could. No, I, I, I want. Oh, you know what? I've changed my mind. Lucas Hedges. There you go. Playing against type. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, there we go. You guys can all vote on that. I'll put it up in the notes, and you know, for the uh, for the podcast and the write up. I'm not putting the pitch in there. You're gonna have to listen to the podcast to know what it's about. I consider that uh, making people do work, and also just people. you know, listen to our damn podcast. All right, this has been our our Halloween spooktacular. Miles, say where you can be followed. I I, I guess don't pitch American Exorcist in this again. It's cheating now. So, uh, focusing on Dracula, Dragula, as uh, Tom Hanks said in the Terminal once, and uh, give me uh, something scary, whatever you want, something horror, something Halloween, or a favorite Halloween costume, whatever you want. Okay. Uh, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M Y L E S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist. No, no, not that aforementioned. one. Aforementioned. <laughs> uh, and also, Once Upon a Dracula. Uh, they are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. I say it the same way every week. If I get thrown off, I forget where I'm at. That's true. Uh, check out my writing on Awards Radar and Looper. Awards Radar, I've got the 31 Days of Halloween article that I've definitely started already yes. and will be ready to go coming as a sunday or scary or or monday on halloween depending on when miles writes it yes you will know yes. when it's up 
Yeah. Uh, and then on Looper, I just had an article published about 14 modern day horror villains that are super scary. So be sure to give all that a look. Um, favorite costume, one that I've always been the most proud of just for being a smart ass is one year I uh, took uh, some black robes and I stapled uh, empty uh, pota- potato chip bags to it. And I went as a chipmunk. Hmm. It gets a chuckle. It gets a chuckle. Steve, you're up. Uh, all right, I am Steve. What? Oh yeah. Uh, check me out on Twitter and Letterboxd at Filmsnork, and I think on Instagram too. Yeah, I am. Um, also check out the Verse, where we cover uh, all the cinematic universes, and it's incredible how much we cover, a- episode by episode, series by series, franchise by franchise, zooming here, there, and everywhere. This week, we're dealing with a cloning issue as Emilia accidentally cloned herself instead of her toast. Uh, if you don't understand what that means, listen to the episode. It's actually kind of funny, and uh, but also in-depth and informative. Um, as for Halloween costumes, I don't do clever. I typically do quality. No, we know you don't do clever. I do, I do an episode. I, I do a, I have an episode. I do a costume that... Wow, so you didn't get the joke. I didn't hear it. I did. I know. I'm sure it was funny. No, you you think too much of it. <laughs> so um, as for costumes, I tend to do ones that look good and people enjoy, but nothing like ultra clever. So I will recommend a couple of things. Uh, one on television or on streaming. Uh, check out Servant on Apple TV Plus. It's not scary, but it's just got a really cool dark tone to it, and it, it's cool. I think. The cinematography and the score and the performances are a lot of fun. It's something that I don't think enough people have checked out. So there's my recommendation there. And gotcha. if you're going to watch a film, uh, I know, Miles, you're not a found footage kind of guy. But I loved the 2020 host, which is set during the pandemic and completely done via four Zoom screens. Well, at times, four mm-hmm. Zoom screens. Um it it die it it, it it digs into the whole spiritual supernatural that I was saying can somewhat you know in that kind of gray area of what scares me, but it worked. Uh, it made me say like I was discussing beforehand. I have tarot cards, and now I'm not using my tarot cards, even though they're not part of the of the film. Uh, it's the type of thing that just kind of throws me away, you know, pushes me away from that. Mm-hmm. So check it out, host. It's on. Cool. And uh, also, Speak No Evil is another one that's pretty good on uh, on Shutter. So, check those out. Right. Um, Igor, what, what costume did you did you always love? I I went as Peter Laurie. <laughs> yeah, that that tracks. Bane, what about you? Oh, I uh, I tried to come up with a new costume every year, but then I decided to just wear the mask that people know me for. You, you know, you're very imposing. I'll allow it to slide. Uh, Andre, costume? Uh, I went as the local world champion of the world, Andre the Giant. See, Hogan, I, I am the champion. <laughs> I thought he was going to go as a pretty lady. Oh, that, there you go. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, All right. Come on. I'm tired. Uh, you can find find me at uh, Joey Maggotson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that stuff, Awards Radars on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that jazz. Um, 
costume wise, I, I recently discovered that all of my costumes that I wore last year when I was a Ghostbuster and when I was a Brad Pitt once and once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, don't live with me anymore. So I guess I don't have a costume anymore. Those are my favorites though. I, I liked it. I don't usually dress up, but I got into it last year. So, oh, well, in any event, this has been our Halloween spooktacular. And I think I speak for everyone when I end the podcast by saying, dear listeners, trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> Do you get it? Because we set it up earlier. We were talking about it. We, we, had a, we, we did a whole thing. We had a whole conversation about it. Nailed and, it. And now it's paid off. And now you've heard it. Also boobs. Master, he's explaining the joke again. I know. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>